just sold sold our teamer. Isn't that uh, uh, Pumbaa's friend? Hello, and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number one hundred and one. My name is CJ Shirt, and with me, as always, my two always outlasting co-hosts. First off, we have Just Dogs. You really had to delve in for that joke. Yeah, I know. I, my my pun prowess is faded over time. Uh, we also have Brian Perlman. Hey, I'm afraid that that pun wasn't very good. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, right. no. <laughs> oh, that was a ferociously bad joke. It was. Yes. I think I think we're in um, the post-episode 100 lull, and we're just like, can't top it. Time to just <laughs> phone it in. <laughs> oh, that's right. Jumped, is... We've now jumped the shark. Yeah. We're on our way down. Um, Stay tuned for the alien guest host, uh, the little green, the little green one that right. hovers over shoulder, uh, whatever his name was, uh, dancing bears, you know, stuff like that. <sighs> We're all tired. Name, I can't do it. All right, kazoo or kazoo? Oh or yeah, that's it, kazoo. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, he's the great, great gazoo. What are you guys talking about? Oh, it's I'm sorry, the, young the, pup. Can't the remember. The Flintstones. Jets. No, it was the Flintstones because Fred. Oh, that's uh, right. Because it made even less sense. Right. And, well, the real the real reason that we're not being all this talkative, at least for me, is I'm writing down a clan to color cheat sheet right now because I can't remember these things to save my life. Man, it's me like, neither. Just just guy to just guy. What is, what is red, white, colors? blue? Hey, them colors don't run. <laughs> All right, Jess guy doesn't run red, white, blue. Hey, this is our yeah. FAQ episode, by the way. <laughs> I thought he was making another Clash reference. I thought it was a Clash of Clans reference, too. <laughs> yeah, we, we just... I started playing since the last episode. We just discovered that Jess also played, and we've hooked him back in. And uh, and CJ's been playing slightly longer than me, so... Yep. So, uh, yay. <laughs> we could... could we... we... Yeah, never mind. We could, we could just do an epi- we could just do an episode on whether or not it's better to uh uh like what mix of troops is best for busting down certain base configurations. Oh, see, I like the barter strategy, which is barbarians and archers. In about do you? Numbers. So, so, so we just said we could, but we're not going to <laughs> discuss that. All right, let's talk about Outlast then, shall we? Let's talk about the five new abilities in uh, Cons of Tarkir is the name of this set. Um, luckily, they're all pretty simple. And why are they simple? Well, that's because Morph is back. Also, luckily for us, like we had planned ahead for this, we don't have to talk about Morph. We spent a whole episode on it. So that's episode 99. Thank you, past JudgeCast hosts. Thank you. Oh, we showed foresight. Hooray. <laughs> yes. So if you uh, want to know everything you need to know about Morph, episode 99 is the episode for you. So let's start with Outlast. Uh, Outlast, it'll, it'll read like this. Outlast, one white. And you're like, what does that mean? <clears throat> or some other set of mana, set, uh, mana symbols. Wow, peanuts, man. Uh, <laughs> before the show, I was also hypothesizing that I'm getting a peanut allergy. and It's affecting my brain. I don't know. All right, so what does Outlast mean? It means for one and a white for this particular card. And tap, you get to put a plus one, plus one count on that creature. And you can use that ability only when you could normally cast a sorcery. So... I, there's not much to it. The main thing is that even though Outlast says Outlast one white, the tap symbol is implied in Outlast, and uh, because it does use the tap symbol, you cannot use it if the creature has summoning sickness or uh, has just entered control for you. Yep. Uh, 
Let's see here. Also, uh, it says outlast only as a sorcery in the reminder text. That is when the rules normally permit you to cast a sorcery, which is when the stack is uh, on your turn during the main phase when the stack is empty. Um, it does not mean that if you have one of those things that lets you cast sorceries at instant speed, you can suddenly do this at instant speed. Right. Remember, it's wraps. When rules allow playing sorceries. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, hey, Outlast look at that. Only <laughs> oh, we came, you came with it in the past. Thanks, past Jess. <laughs> past Jess. So helpful. Yeah, that guy's pretty pretty awesome. I don't know what happened. Like, yeah, I just, don't... You get this like total schmuck as a host now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. He let his he let his Clash of Clans base go, and all there's, there's all these trees there now. Yeah. No, no, I just cleaned them up. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Oh. I have I'm, I'm removing the last stump now. Anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, prowess. So what's what's next? Prowess. Do you want me to talk about prowess? Yeah, I do. Okay, so prowess is an ability um, that says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, this creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Um, that is a really self-explanatory ability. Like as long as this creature is in play. Uh, every time you cast a non-creature spell, um, then then it triggers. Now, that doesn't mean it triggers on other types. Like, if it is an artifact creature or an enchantment creature, it's still a creature. So it is not a non-creature spell, and it won't trigger. Hey, I got a question, Jess. Yeah. What if, what if I choose to bestow a dude? Uh, that actually, interestingly, that actually will trigger. Yeah. Uh, because by the time... Uh, we check to see if the trigger condition has been met. We have, in fact, cast a non-creature spell. Cool. Uh, and I'm not going to get into why that's weird, but it's weird and it works that way. <laughs> um, now, what's, the other interesting thing here is that it uh, it resolves before um, before the spell resolves. The trigger resolves before the spell resolves. So let me give you an example. So Jeskai Elder is a creature that is a 1-2 uh, with prowess. And let's say I want to deal more damage to my opponent. So I cast Shock targeting my Jeskai Elder. It's going to get the plus one, plus one counter before Shock resolves. So it will survive that uh, and it will be able to deal two damage and, and not be dead, assuming it hasn't taken any other damage. And you use your two damage spell to add one damage to the total amount of damage. Yes, yes I did. <laughs> yes. Because it's uh, it's extremely because this is judge talking. We don't care strategy. about the rest of that. It's strategy. Yeah. Um. Uh. <laughs> I I don't know. And uh, if if you somehow counter the spell, the triggered ability will still resolve. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I guess I will delve into delve. Uh. Okay. Uh, delve is the Sultai keyword, uh, which is the the black blue green clan. Their their uh, icon is a, a dragon fang, Indeed. so you know that you're a male channeler and that the red Aja is going to come and kill you. I've lost you lost me on no? this one. Wheel Wheel of Time reference, Robert. Oh, Jordan. I haven't read it. Thirteen books. Yes. Yeah, you know why we haven't read it? Because there are thirteen books. Yeah. Oh, come on. It's on my one day list. It's on you your. Know, one by, day. by the time I became aware of that series, there were too many books. <laughs> I imagine uh, by the time you became aware of that series, they were on like one of <laughs> uh, five <laughs> book, uh, book five. Um, so anyway, uh, so Delve is uh, returning from the future. Yeah, not returning. This is the first time it's been. Printed. Oh, oh, sorry. It is. It's the first time. Uh, no, no, it's, it's a it's, preprint. It, it, it was reprinted in Future Sight. Yes. Yes. Exactly. 
Okay. So uh, so Delve Delve is a uh, uh, let's let's give an example. So the example that they've got in the FAQ is Dead Drop. Uh, for nine and a black, uh, target player sacrifices two creatures. That's a, that's expensive. That is expensive. I mean, they've got uh, uh, Ashes to Ashes that they printed way back in uh, uh, was it Antiquities. Uh, no, the Dark that had you sacrifice two creatures uh, for three mana. So anyway, we'll let you destroy two target creatures. This is way worse, but it has Delve. Um, so Delve is an ability that lets you uh, uh, perform an action instead of paying mana as you're costing the spe- uh, casting the spell. So it's sort of like Convoke, sort of, uh, so that when it comes time to pay for mana, so after you've already activated mana abilities, okay, you can then uh, exile cards in your graveyard instead of paying uh uh, instead of paying a colorless mana, so for each uh, card you exile from your graveyard, you that that pays for one colorless mana. So it's not like Convoke because Convoke can actually do colored stuff. Delve can't. Delve is colorless only. Um, it does not reduce the casting cost of the spell. So things that care about casting costs are still looking at that number in the top right hand corner of the card. Um, and you can't exile more cards than the cost. So if you really wanted to exile every single card in your graveyard, uh, you can't. You can only exile uh, uh, the number that you are uh, using to pay for the cost of the spell. Okay. 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 Seems good. Seems so when good. <clears throat> so when they changed the rules for Convoke and Delve, and then they put Convoke in M15, you know, we were all like, of course. But did anyone see Delve coming too? I should have. I think I made this comment before, actually. Like, it's, I, I think, that, like, as a joke, maybe, I said, like, yeah, oh, they're going to bring back Delve. Or... It's one of those mechanics that could come back, but I kind of always saw it as maybe coming back in some sort of set that played around more with the graveyard. Yeah. As a, as opposed to this this set, which is a wedge set. Well, I'm glad they didn't put it in a set that cares about the graveyard. Well, I mean, they couldn't have put it, they, they said that, um... You know, people were like, well, why didn't Delve go in uh, Innistrad block? And they were, because it cares about the graveyard. And their response was, well, we kind of thought about it and looked at it. But when you put stuff in the graveyard, you kind of want to use it. And yeah. Delve kind of eats stuff in your graveyard. It doesn't really work flashback. Like... No, it doesn't. So, but, but you know, some sort of set where, like, getting things in your graveyard would be where I thought it would go. But I guess maybe the proper place for it is actually in a set that does not care about the graveyard in the slightest. Yeah, so you don't end up with these situations where you're like, you know, casting snap cap caster mage to give something with delve flashback and wondering what's going on. Um, All right, well. Okay, let's what about talk about raid? Uh, does not kill bugs as well as you would think it would. No. no. I know, right? Hey, a praying mantis flew into my face yesterday, and I didn't even know we had praying mantises in Georgia. I was uncomfortable with that. Oh, dude, at uh, SCG Atlanta this weekend, when we were packing up, we found a giant one on the wall. Really? Just kind of chilling on his side, like, like, like it was just coming out perpendicular from the wall. Don't one of these clans ride mantises? I think they do. I hope it's Raid, because that's hilarious. I'm just trying to bring it back. <laughs> it really back is. Like, whoever has Raid, that needs to be them. Mardu. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about So, So Raid is an ability word. <clears throat> what that means is it has no rules meaning at all. But what it means is it's tying together a bunch of abilities that care about whether or not you attacked with a creature this turn. So one of my examples here 
is a Mardu Heart Piercer. So it reads, when Mardu Heart Piercer enters the battlefield, if you attack with a creature this turn, Mardu Heart Piercer deals two damage to target creature or player. So like 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 all ability words, if we remove the word raid from the start of that, the ability still works. It's just an easy way for us all to refer to it. Yep. <clears throat> so Them raid, uh, it, all of the raid abilities only care if you actually attacked with a creature, and they don't care if the creature died in combat, or if it dealt damage, or if it was blocked, or it was destroyed. The moment it was declared as an attacker, which is also an important phrase we'll get to later, the moment it was declared as an attacker, raid is active for that turn. Um, yep. If you turned it sideways to attack, and the, yeah, and they declare push it forward step. and said battle. This is also a good time to go ahead and talk about intervening if triggers, because we have to every FAQ, and this one is one. So, intervening if triggers, they they check the if condition. So, in this uh, for this specific raid trigger, it's if you attacked with a creature this turn. That is the if, because it's comma, if, statement, comma. That's an intervening if. Um, they check that condition when the trigger would trigger, and also when it would resolve. So... If uh, you played Mardu Heart Piercer in your first main phase before you ever attacked, this thing would not trigger at all. You don't have to choose any tigger, uh, targets because this is not triggering. Um, actually, it's, it would be impossible to make this one false after the fact. That's that's rare for intervening ifs. Yeah. But the first just, part is still true. I, I guess really the only the only thing that about it is that, that whole weirdness of without the intervening if clause, it would target but then not do anything right if you hadn't attacked yeah so that's why the intervening if clause is there. I, guess, I guess that would have to be it but yeah this one you can't hmm. yeah yeah see hey listeners if you can figure out how oh, to get uh you can't more... it's impossible well let's just, shh, don't tell them that let's okay. just see if they can just see what they come up with it'll probably involve something lazav demir mastermind sure right uh <laughs> if you can figure out a way to get mardu heart piercer's ability to trigger but not resolve uh as a result of the intervening if clause that'd be awesome so yeah the other thing i was gonna say is if the if isn't true when it starts to resolve the trigger resolves and does nothing um i'm sorry the trigger is removed from the stack it does not resolve <clears throat> that's only a difference that matters on the test but whatever i don't want someone to be out there and be like oh, judge giving trust. away answers giving away that's answers not giving away test. answers that's i know that's all we do is give away answers yeah it's true <laughs> um yeah, that's really all so, there is to raid. Yeah, the next one, uh, next one is ferocious. Um, ferocious is also very straightforward. Basically, it's uh, it does something if you control a creature with power four or greater. So, for example, stubborn denial costs one blue mana. It's an instant. It says counter target creature. Uh, I'm sorry, counter target non creature spell unless its controller pays one. Ferocious. If you control a creature with power four or greater, counter that spell instead. This is a, a self-replacement effect that replaces what it does, if I remember correctly. Could be wrong with that, but... That's great. Um, no, you're good. And then uh, another example is Roar of Challenge, which is a sorcery. This says all creatures able to block target creature this turn do, do so. Ferocious, that creature gains indestructible until end of turn if you control a creature with power four or greater. Now, it doesn't have to be that creature, the target creature that has power four or greater here. It could be any other creature you have as well. Um, so yeah, this is just an ability word. It doesn't technically have any meaning. It just indicates that there's this kind of ability going on, and a creature has to have four power when the spell resolves. It doesn't matter whether or not it had four power when the spell was cast, just when it resolves. Yeah, and that seems to be that seems to be a because it's just an ability word that just seems to be a style choice, right? Um, 
I mean, there, there's really no reason. Well, there's really no reason why they couldn't have written a card that that used ferocious as like the uh, the part of the, the 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 thing that lets you cast it. Uh, let's hear. Wait, no, no, no. Here we go. Dragon grip. Yeah, I was gonna say there's one ferocious card where it matters when you yeah, cast it. If you control a creature with power four or greater, you may cast dragon grip as though it had flash. So that oh, one does check okay. on resolution. My bad. I didn't realize there was one that did that. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I just it was I was looking at that and I was, you know, appreciating it because uh, I think Metalcraft was the same way on spells. Like it was set up so that it always checked on resolution. Yeah. And so I wanted to see if Ferocious was uh, was the same way. I think Morbid also very similar. These are all very similar. Um, well, of all the creatures we should talk about first... Who would you pick, Brian Pillivan? I would pick the one that starts at the al- at the beginning of the alphabet. Oh, sure. Anything else about her title, though, that would make her come first? Um, well, I don't know. You're just skipping over the whole returning keyword section in the... Oh, wait, am I not looking at the... Oh, I'm not looking at the show notes. Oh, no, you're not. Uh, I'm yep. looking somewhere else. Yep, good job. Um, yes. Oh, let's talk about Anaphylaxic Shock, the foremost. The foremost, because she's uh, first. Actually, Anna Anna Fenza is uh, is um, her name. I'm gonna say it's a her. I actually don't have a picture of what the card looks like, so I'm assuming pretty sure it's, it's a her. Three of the cons are female. Yeah, and it starts with Anna. Right? Yeah, come on, come on. Okay, um, so she is a human soldier uh, for a a white. Is it that is a as. Abzan, ah, my handy cheat sheet for an Abzan, which is uh, white, black, green. Oh, did you guys? Did you guys? Just out of curiosity, did you see or hear they changed the order that they normally do the the mana costs on the cards? They changed the symbols around. I did see that. Did you see that, Jess? No, no, I haven't seen this. Or what, at least I what, haven't noticed. What they normally did for like, uh, uh, what I believe what they did was they would do like green, white, black. Um, on other cards, there was, uh, Rosewater on his Tumblr said that when they put the two allied colors together, um, so if it was, if it was like green, white, black, people would look at the first two colors and they would evaluate them as a pair. And then the third color black as kind of a, as the outlier. So they would actually try to build a green, white deck. But by putting white black, there's actually two clans that have white black in it. So it kind of caused them to focus more on white black. So then you could be either Abzan or Mardu, since that's also got black white in it, which I thought was kind of which I thought was a little bit of interesting uh, uh manipulation on their part oh in, in a good way like like basically making you know just changing the order of mana symbols causes you to draft differently or not draft but you know build your your limited pool differently that annoys the crap out of me not why does lie. that annoy the, why does that annoy the crap out of you the the the, the, the different order <laughs> but it helps people nope nope, nope. don't want to hear it nope this is bad have we found your line we found. We found. Definitely, definitely found my line. Magic is now ruined. 
<laughs> this the this, sky is finally falling. This kill match is done. You should see the complaints about the uh, the watermarks. Are there complaints about the watermarks? Yeah, because not every card that is clearly assigned to a clan has a watermark, and that was done solely for the intro decks. Anyway, this is Judge Cast. How about you finish reading the card? All right, so it's a 4-4 four, <laughs> four for an Abzan mana that says, whenever Anaphylaxic Shock, the foremost attacks, uh, put a plus one, plus one counter on another target tapped creature you control. Uh, period. New line. If a creature card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Um, so we've got two abilities that I really don't quite understand how they go together, um, other than uh, she screws over Delve. Um, let's see here. Uh, so whenever Anna Fenza, the foremost attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on another tar target tapped creature you control. So a few things here. The first ability um, cannot target herself. Uh, so you can't put plus one, plus one counters on her. It must target another target tapped creature. So the creature has to be tapped in order for you to target it. Um, if the creature becomes untapped before the ability resolves, uh, it's not going to get the counter. Uh, that creature can be tapped for any reason. It does not have to be tapped because it is attacking. But if it's attacking, sure, why not? That's good. Unless it has vigilance. That's a sad little... Yeah. Thing. Well, I said if it's a tap because it's attacking, right? Right, I know, I know. I'm just saying. It's it's weird that she has this attack trigger, but it doesn't work with... Wouldn't it be funny if their clan mechanic was Vigilance? That'd be hilarious. Oh, it's probably Outlast. Oh, uh, yeah, look at that. Uh, uh, oh, that all makes sense. Yeah, oh, yeah, broke the code, CJ. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Or maybe they didn't, and they were just they got lucky because they were wasting all their time reordering the mana symbols. Yeah, clearly they didn't because they were really magic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the second the second ability. Um, so if a creature uh, card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Okay. Uh, this does not use the magic trigger words when, whenever, or at. This is a replacement effect. Um, so this means it don't go to the graveyard. It goes directly to exile. So. Uh, if you're playing your weird Abzan Morbid deck, uh, or sorry, not if you, if your opponent's playing his Morbid deck, well, he's going to be sad because these things don't ever go to the graveyard. Uh, they don't die. Um, and it also says if a creature card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Um, now... Now, since this is a replacement effect, now when we've, we've talked about some trigger before in the past, like zone change triggers and, and from any um, triggers that say if a creature card, uh, or sorry, when a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, that actually checks what the card looks like in the graveyard. Okay, so a Phyrexian metamorph that's cloning a soul ring dies and goes to the graveyard well it's a creature card in the graveyard okay because those are triggers this right here is an if uh if a creature card we put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere exile it instead so it's actually looking at it before it goes into the graveyard so uh an animated man land at the time it 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 uh, receives lethal damage and is in his state-based actions are taking care of it it is a creature it is a card it's going to be exiled um, whereas if this was a triggered ability, it would not, because it'd be a land in the graveyard. Uh, conversely, a bestow away dude is going to go to the graveyard because it's an aura, uh, 
when it's going to the graveyard, so the it's going to whiff on this replacement effect. Also, tokens are unaffected by this ability, and that's all I got to say about that. Which is just, okay. That's a good point about the tokens, but yeah, you said a lot more about that than I expected you to say. <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, just because because when I when I when I looked at this. It was one of these moments of, yeah, there's that from anywhere clause, and we, we've harped on that with triggers a lot, but this is actually, it works the exact opposite because it's a replacement effect. Yeah, I guess we should say it's worded that way because it'll, it'll, you know, if they're milled. Right. 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 Did you did you say that and I missed it? I did not say okay, that. Okay, good. I just, good. I just said from anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So. so the next one is uh, Blood Soaked Champion. No, it isn't. What? Ash Cloud Phoenix. Let him do fish. He wants to. All right, do this champion. That's fine. I'll do the phoenix. I I'm confused. Am I in the wrong place? Did I miss something? So, just, okay, go ahead and do the champion. Okay. Anyway, um, so Bloodsoak Champion is a human warrior that can't block, and um, it has raid one in a black. Return Bloodsoak Champion from your graveyard to the battlefield. You can only activate this if a creature, uh, if you attacked with a creature this turn, and it can only be used. Uh, if it's in the graveyard, like this is not an ability you can activate from the battlefield, obviously. And if it attacks and then dies, you can still bring it back, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's neat. Very much. Uh, let's talk about the Ashcloud Phoenix. All right, it's creature 4-1-2, red, red, flying. When Ashcloud Phoenix dies, return it to the battlefield face down. Well, that would suck if it didn't have morph for 4-RR. And also it has when Ashcloud Phoenix is turned face up, it deals two damage to each player, because why not? So a few notes about this bad boy. First off. If he's face down, when he dies, you're not going to get the when Ashcloud Phoenix dies trigger because it doesn't have that trigger because it is face down. It has no abilities because it's a 2-2 it's two, two creature. Uh, if you happen to remove this card from the graveyard in response to its dies trigger, so say it died face up, of course, um, it obviously will not return to the battlefield. And this card is... So we've talked about in the morph episode about how you can't shuffle up your morph cards to kind of try to ob obfuscate, obfuscate, obfuscate the uh, which one is which. And this card is a great example of it. Uh, if this card comes back from your graveyard, your opponent will always know that specific morph is an Ashcloud Phoenix. And, you know, if they ask, you got to tell them, I guess. Do, do you know how many times I was asked this weekend if you could if you could do a uh, uh, like the whole uh, follow the queen uh, uh, game of, you know, shuffling up the cards, the right. three card Monty. Yeah, I've seen it come up a lot. So That's actually, what's... so to be more specific, I do not have to tell you which one came from the graveyard. Yeah. I do have to tell you what order they came into play. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you can't mix them up though. So like if you mix them up, you're going to have to tell them, just don't mix them up. How about that? Like they, they get to know which one is the Ash Cloud Phoenix. They get to know what order they came into play. Sure, fine. Um, uh, that's relevant. That, uh, but, yeah, it is different. So if, if like, well, six turns later they can't remember whether the, whether the Ashcloud Phoenix came back before or after I played the other morph, but I can, it's relevant. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's bas it's basically, though, you know, if, 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 these, if those two morphs over there have been out for a while and this morph just entered the battlefield, you have to designate that that's the one that one is. Okay, and that's the important stuff. And this will come up. People are worried about it. It will come up. Morph has been around two other times, and this doesn't come up all that much. It really doesn't. Um, there are, honestly aren't that many cards of Morph in the set. Right. So it, it, it doesn't. 
I'm sorry, go on. I was going to say, I'm kind of surprised they haven't added a rules update that says you can't change the positions of the morph cards. Uh, there's already something in the rules about it. There is? Yeah. yeah. They have now, to... we, now we're going to all rush. We are. I did not know this thing. There is? Are you sure? Yeah. I I, I am learning today. I am excited. I am excited. At some point, we're going to Well, read... one of us is learning today. Yeah. We're going to read that rule to you. I'm very close the yeah, I will read that rule to you. <laughs> we are just don't, hey, let's while CJ is looking that up. Um, if you so, control uh, just, multiple face down spells or face down permanents, you must ensure at all times that your face down spells and permanents can be easily differentiated from each other. This includes, but it's not limited to, knowing the order spells were cast, the order of face down permanents enter the battlefield, which creature attack last turn, and any other differences between face down spells or permanents, common methods, or blah blah blah. Right. So that if doesn't got... actually say I can't change the order that they're in. You... Fine. Right, but if but if I've got if I've got one morph creature that's that's tapped because I used convoke and one creature one morph creature that's tapped because I attacked with it, okay, those have to continue those still have to be differentiated. Yep. Even though they both look tapped. Well which one is the one that attacked me last turn? That one? Okay, thank you. Yep. That is absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, if you put a one, two, three on each of yours, then yeah, you can shuffle them up as long as you keep the one, two, three on them. Yeah. Okay, it's... so here's the here's the relevant point, CJ. If I attack with a morph creature and leave the other one not attacking, and then when I untap it and put it back down with the other creature, if I put it on the other side of that creature, the opponent does not have the ability to go, Judge, he moved his morph creatures around no. and get me in trouble. As long as it's still clear which one attacked last turn. Sure, that's fine. Right, and you can that's still what I'm point, saying. I don't. And you can still point to that one and say, "Is that the one that attacked me last turn?" Because that, yes, okay. The fact that you're you're just like, I don't know, I'm mixing them up. You can't tell. No, you no. can't do that. But mixing them up is not against the rules. Like, so as long as you're not, as long as you can just still differentiate them, changing their physical positions is not against the rules. So, so here's the awesome thing: they're giving these tokens that have like that look that are or these cover cards almost that are a morph dude, you know, a uh, just basically they're the the what the rules see uh, a morph creature is looking like. They're giving us tokens or like poison counter things. You can just put that on top of the card and you can get a Sharpie and just write a one or a two or a three and just put them in your deck box. And there you go. Yeah. Although now yeah. to bring up the tokens, I do want to mention they say morph at the top where other tokens would have the name. It's referring to the X-Man. Yes, sure. Yes. Uh, so just to be clear, that is not morph cards have no name. It is not named morph. It just kind of looks like it. But morph the X Man is named morph. Yes, he is named morph. And Morpheus, right, is also named morph. Sure. Um, I think it's your turn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the next one. In the bees, still, just throwing that factoid out. And uh, Sherlock Holmes' uh, uh, nemesis was Morphiardi. No, it wasn't. Okay, you've gone All too right. far. I've gone too far. Um, okay, so let's talk about Brave the Sands. Um, so Brave the Sands is an enchantment for one and a white. Um, creatures you control also uh, creatures you control have vigilance. Um, this means that they do not tap to attack. Uh, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it also it also means that your outlast dudes can attack and then use their Outlast ability post-combat. You can't really use it during combat because eh, sorcery. Raps, because of raps. Yep, raps. Yep. 
Um, the other ability that it has is is each creature you control can block an additional creature. That means plus one. Uh, so if you have two of these Brave the Sands and you attack, um, your <laughs> if you have two of these, your uh, your monstrous hundred-handed one can block <laughs> a total of a hundred and two creatures. Yes. 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 Right, because it's 99 additional creatures, and then we're doing an additional creature, an additional creature. Yes. So your uh, monstrous hundred-handed ones can block an additional 101 creatures for a total of 102. Yes. Or your bear cub could block three creatures. Yes, but the hundred-handed one is more amusing. It is. Because what's he doing? How's he getting? Because the whole joke is he had 100 hands, and he was able to block 100 creatures. Yeah, but now he has 100 hands, and it's sandy. And it's Sandy's, and that equates for the other two. Yes. Yes. All right. <laughs> anyway, so the next card is Clever Impersonator, which is a really cool card. It costs two blue, 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 blue. Uh, it is a shapeshifter. It's a zero, zero. So what does it do? Uh, you can have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any non-land permanent on the battlefield. So it can copy a creature or an artifact or an enchantment. That's it, right? That's all there. We, one we more. Don't copy anything else. Uh, this is oh, this could copy a plane to walk. Yes. Yeah, that's so the neat thing about this guy right. is that it can, it can in fact copy a planeswalker, which I am excited to to do because at some point I want to copy a Karn to exile a Karn. Oh, or a righteous and, Avengers. What? Or righteous Avengers. Yeah, okay. It's a planeswalker. Um, or Garrick. <laughs> that's that's the key play there, is copy their Garrick. Yep. Kill their Garrick. New Garrick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sure. How clever is this impersonator? Like, hey guys, it's I can, very clever. I can look like some boots. Here I go. Boom. <laughs> yes, it can. It definitely can. <laughs> <laughs> or I can look like this near godlike being. Boom. Uh, so a couple of couple of quick notes. The thumb, the the goblin thumb. Yeah, the crux right? thumb. Crux thumb. Yeah. Or just you could go bigger, go home. He is Kirk Clan Ironworks, right? Yeah. Like he just becomes the Ironworks. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty I mean, big we wouldn't want to let him copy lands that would be a flavor issue <laughs> <laughs> oh no he's Mirrodin's core what do we do <laughs> oh anyway sorry um, yeah anyway so uh, he can also copy an aura if you have him copy an aura you still have to make all of the choices that, that you would normally make for an aura so he'll come into play enchanting something uh, but he doesn't target anything while he's on the stack, obviously. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that one. Uh, yeah, so he'll enter the battlefield as a copy of that aura, and you choose what he enters the battlefield attached to, but you didn't have to target anything. So um, you could get on something with Shroud or yeah. or your opponent's creature with Hex. Which is, I think that might actually be a situation we didn't discuss on our copy ep- uh, effect episode, now that I think about it. Well, probably not. I don't think any well, like cards copy, existed. Copying, well, there's copy enchantment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't think it came up. Um, so there's that. For all other situations on, on morph and copies and how that works, uh, our episodes on morph and copy effects pretty much cover those. So I don't want to go too deep on that right here. Yeah, but that's a cool point about the auras. That's, I mean, it's probably going to come up uh, uh, given that we still have Theros around. Interestingly, so here's a question for you, CJ. Okay. Speaking of copying auras, what happens if I copy a creature that is bestowed onto another creature? Uh oh, you'd be copying yo yeah, it made me think for a second. You'd be copying the printed creature. So if you're copying a boon satyr, you're just gonna get a boon satyr. A four two boon satyr. A four two 
What, is Valor and Toughness wrong? No, no, no I just I find it amusing that you had to specify that. A creature. Well, the, as an R, it's still <laughs> named Boon Seder, so I had to be clear right. there. So who's what's what's next? Deflecting Palm <clears throat> for red and white. The next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn, prevent that damage. If damage is prevented this way, Deflecting Palm deals that much damage to that source's controller. So uh, the first thing to note here is this does not target at any point. Um you get to choose the source as the spell resolves. You don't have to choose it when the spell goes on the stack. This thing has a couple of interesting interactions to me. Um, one is, say you control a planeswalker and your opponent is lightning bolting you, and you're like, I'm going to deflecting palm this. Uh, since you are the affected player, you get to choose the order that the replacement effects will apply in. So you can choose to uh, apply the palm first, which would be correct every time. And that would redirect the damage, well, not redirect, but it would prevent the damage and then have the damage dealt back to the source's controller. Yeah, uh, this is not this is not that fiasco all over again. What? I don't know uh, fiasco. Th- um, what's the name of that card that does that? That it redirects the damage instead of preventing it first. Oh, the harm's oh, way. Oh, uh, harm's way. Harm's way. Yeah, what a mess. So much, so much mess came yeah. from harm's way. So this we don't template things that way anymore. Prevents it and deals it back. Um, Loved harm's way. And then it damage made- will never be dealt to your planes. Well, it's not even an option made people's heads no we're not talking about harm's way um so that's pretty cool the other cool thing there is if they're doing three damage to you and you prevent it and since it's not redirecting since it's deflecting palm doing the damage if your opponent has a planeswalker you can damage their planeswalker you can choose to redirect it to their planeswalker uh if it was just a redirection of their own damage then you wouldn't be able to redirect it to their planeswalker because they can't damage their own planeswalkers in that way uh the downside of that is that affects like death touch from their creature don't apply yeah that's true that's the downside of not redirecting the damage um the upside is effects like lifelink don't apply so trumped you all right it also has a kind of an interesting interaction with dictate of the twin gods which basically doubles damage uh that's another replacement effect so these are both replacement effects um so say once again someone is bolting me i have dictated the twin gods down that, that affects everyone right yeah yep um, someone's bolted me, I've dictated Twin Guards down, and I play Deflecting Palm. Well, I can choose to do two things here. First, actually, this is not an interesting interaction at all, because first I could double the damage, which would make it six, and then choose to quote-unquote redirect it, dealing six to my opponent. Uh, the other option is I could choose to redirect it first, which makes it three, turning back around, and then double it, making it six again. So there's actually nothing interesting about that at all. It only gets interesting when you start to have a Planeswalker involved with Ferguson Wrath. Hey, talk about that Dragon Throne. I'm trying to deflect off this card. Hold on. Let me... So can't you get... Okay, I might be... For Sorcerer, deal damage to a permanent player. So someone casts a Lightning Bolt. Yeah. With deflecting... Uh, okay. And you go, okay, well, I'm going to double it, um, and then I'm going to apply the prevention effect. So Lightning Bolt goes to six. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then if deflecting Palm is going to deal that much damage to the source's controller, and then you dictated the Twin Gods is going to double it again to 12, ah, right? Yeah, 12 is correct. That's where it is. Okay, my bad. Yes. I thought there was something about this card would dictate. 12 is one possible option. Yes. It's the best option, though. It is the best option. You would So you have it double first, then redirect, and since it's preventing the damage and then dealing new damage, so this is a new set of damage, it, that damage will also be doubled. Yeah. So, so this is this is one of the situations where where 
uh, judge logic and player logic uh, don't line up. Player logic, you're always going to go, hell yeah, I'm going to do 12. Right. Judge logic, it's like, what are all the different combinations? And, <laughs> blah, 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 and some of them are going to end up with eh, not as much. All right. Uh, the next card. Dragon Throne of Tarkir. Man, every time I hear this card name, I just start humming the, the, the Game of Thrones theme song. Okay. Uh, it almost became like so, the, the, the NFL. What? Yeah. It's like, do you want us to like hum that while you go over this card? Is that? That would be awesome. Okay. <laughs> okay. Dragon Throne of Tarkir. For four, it's a legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature has defender and two <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> the equipped creature has defender and two tap. Uh, other creatures you control gain trample and get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is this creature's power. Um, so, uh, it's legendary artifacts, so you can't have two. Um, oh, it has an equip cost of three. Um, uh, what's cool? Yeah, Sorry. Sorry, I'm <laughs> delaying this. Um, so the creature has defender, it's got this tap ability, so it can attack and use the ability. Um, X is determined as it resolves, so if you have anything, uh, that pumps creatures when they attack, uh, or you, you play a buff spell before it resolves, you can do that. Um, now let's just ask, well, what happens if, um, I attack with my, my creature equipped with the dragon throne of Tarkir, a creature's died earlier in the turn, uh, and I attack with all my dudes, my big horde of dudes, and I activate my, let's go say a four, four creature, boom, with this ability, um, and someone casts tragic slip. Oh no. What's going to happen? You said it's a 4-4? Four, four? Yeah, it's a 4-4. Four, four. Well, it'll become a negative 9, negative 9. Yeah. State-based actions will be checked, and we'll put it in the graveyard. Yeah. The ability resolve, and the last time that creature existed on the battlefield, it was a negative 9, negative 9. Yeah. So all of your creatures are going to gain trample and yeah. negative 9, negative 9. What? Until end of turn. No. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst. The wild Beastmaster Claws. Oh, that's the absolute, that's the absolute word. But you know, they say like the, the, the throne, it, it like cuts people that aren't worthy to sit in it. No, I didn't know they said that. Uh, well, it's, it's, they say it about the iron throne oh. made out of all them swords. I got to imagine a dragon throne is kind of the it's made same. out of all them dragons. Yeah. <laughs> dragon teeth and stuff like that. I mean, it's so got to. Like, this is like Game of Thrones, but in Skyrim. Yes. I mean, I'd be down. I'd play that game or watch that show or read that book or whatever it is. <laughs> or write that fanfic. <laughs> that I am not doing. But I've no. got a friend. I've got a friend who would be down. Yeah. Me? Is it you? <laughs> I have a friend. You, you in, in the fanfiction, CJ? CJ in his Game of Thrones Skyrim fanfic. <laughs> uh, All right, Jess, while I'm looking yeah. that up, you... Uh... Harden scales? And, and, yeah, I like hardened scales a lot. Hardened yeah. scales. They're they're what the chair is actually covered in to keep you from getting cut. Um, so hardened scales cost G. Green. Just one green. It's an enchantment. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be placed on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are placed on it instead. That is the terrible template. <laughs> <laughs> well, only when you read it out loud. Like, when you read it, it's... 
Yeah, it sounds a lot sillier when you actually <laughs> that many that plus many one plus what plus what plus what counters. That's funny. <laughs> I never noticed it until you read it just then. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> all right. So basically, anytime they're placed, a plus one plus one counter would be placed on a creature. It gets that many plus one plus one counters plus one. So you get an additional plus one plus one counter. And this also applies um, to creatures that enter the battlefield with some number of plus one plus one counters. Um, so that seems like it would be a lot of fun with creatures that have um, uh, Undying or whatever it is from Innistrad. I know. They, they die and come back with an extra plus one plus one counter. Are you, are you looking for a specific card? or? No, I'm just saying. Like, oh. Daryl's Messenger and all those. Like It seems like Sorry. it would be good with that. I found um, a Magic then... the Gathering Games of Thrones crossover fan fiction, so you have to excuse me. Uh, do, do we need to give you a moment of privacy no, here? No, I'm good. All right. Um, and if, so if you have two of these, everything enters with two additional counters and so on. Uh, or gets two additional counters, I should say. Uh, so it doesn't matter why the counter is being placed on it. Uh, it gets an additional one. Yeah, an interesting one I saw was uh, that newish Ajani. Someone asked about this. The one that lets you distribute three counters on one, two, or three creatures. If you choose to put one counter on each of three creatures, um, they'll each get an additional counter. So they, they will each yep. get two counters. This also works interestingly with like doubling season, for example, because it's uh, two replacement effects, so you can order them awkwardly. Yeah. <laughs> you could double and then add one, or add one and then double. One of these is clearly better than the other. Yes. yes. Again, we talk about how judges, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not players. We don't always uh, think of, oh, well, there's only one correct answer. No, there's unfortunately two. So I've closed fanfiction.net. Um, did you mention the case where you have two hardened scales? I did. Okay, great. Okay. Yes, <laughs> CG was distracted by the really nearest fan fiction. For, I unfortunately could not find any Skyrim Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, were you really hoping? Um, hey, some of my favorite fan fiction I ever found was the Power Rangers Magic the Gathering fan fiction. Anyway, Heart Piercer Bow. There'll be a link in the show notes. There won't. Please? Okay, there will. Okay, thank you. Uh, wow, we don't need a link. We really don't need a link. <laughs> Heart Piercer Bow is an equipment. Whenever a creature attacks, Heart Piercer Bow deals one damage to target creature defending player controls. Uh, so one thing to note, it's the bow doing the damage, not the creature. So if you have a red creature with this equipped and they have a protection from red creature, you can deal the damage to that protection from red creature. Uh, the other thing to note is, uh, and this is where it gets really weird. So say I have a creature out equipped with Heart Piercer Bow and my opponent does active aggression on that creature, so they gain control of it until end of turn. And active aggression is in the set, so it's it's possible to do this. Then they attack me with it. Well, it's my equipment still. So the trigger is still going to trigger, but it says whenever a creature attacks, okay, that's the trigger. It deals one damage to target creature defending player controls. I'm the defending player. How did that happen? So I have to deal one damage to one of my own creatures with my own trigger, because that's what the rules say. Aww. Aww. That's it for I for some reason I want to talk about that weird corner case. Okay, uh, are we on to the next one? Yeah, man. Yeah, Brian. I All think right. you're on, you're on yep. this guy. Karu Lichlord. He is three black, green, blue for a zombie wizard. He's a four-four with the ability. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may unearth. Wait, no. Uh, you may pay <laughs> two and a black. If you do, return a creature at random from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains flying trample and haste. 
Uh, exile that card at the beginning of your next instep. If it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. <sighs> okay, so it's sort of, it is it is a lot like unearth. It's identical to unearth, except flying and trample. Except flying and trample. <laughs> so, um, and, and and there's a specific there's a specific cost. So the creature uh, being returned is random. So uh, it's it's not like I'm gonna you can get it to whiff by removing a single creature from the graveyard. You'd you'd have to remove all creatures from the graveyard. Uh, so it's gonna get something. So if you try and like uh, remove like you know you can remove their best creature from the graveyard and they you know obviously can't get that, but you're not gonna know what they're gonna get before the ability resolves. Um, yeah. So oddly, along with that, um, if you killed the Lich Lord in response to the trigger, it's possible that the Lich Lord would bring himself back. Yeah. Random. Uh, with flying, trample, and haste. Yes. Okay. Now, it says exile that card at the beginning of your next uh, instep uh, period, and then it says if it it being the the card uh, would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. So if the creature dies, it's leaving the battlefield. So you're going to exile it. If it's if you're bouncing it back to your hand or putting it on top of your library, uh, it's you're going to exile it instead. But if you were going to blink it somehow, um, restoration angel, Remember, restoration momentary angel, blink, momentary blink. If you were going to blink it somehow by oh say blinking it. Um, See, you guys just named two cards that a lot of people won't know. Yeah, that's because we're old. <laughs> and uh, stop learning new cards like five years ago. So what if you phase it out? That's uh, you're just putting a cup over it. Yes, I know. <laughs> go on, go on. Okay, so um, the cup of phasing. Yeah, it says uh, uh, if it would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else, else other than exile. So if you exile it with uh, Restoration Angel, fine, we'll be current. We'll, we'll use the card that all the kids are using these days. Um, you're exiling it. So this replacement effect doesn't apply, okay? Because it only applies if it's going anywhere other than exile. So because Restoration Angel is, is exiling it, it'll exile it, and it'll come back into play. And, oh, look, it doesn't have any of this you know, exile that card at the beginning of the next instep. It's it's a new object now. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have flying or trample or haste anymore either, but who cares? You got your dude, dude. Okay, yes. Brings it back permanently. It's a stupid loophole. It also applies to Unearth, in case you're wondering. But it is, that is the way it works. So, what's up next? Keru Spell Snatcher. How is that? Is that pronounced Keru? 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 I don't know. Does anyone know? I think it's Keru. Uh, the, oh, the K K. Well, as we, as we, like that. It is, a, it is the Karu spell snatcher. The K is not silent. Right. Hi, Kyle. Karu. Uh, so three eighty blue for the Karu spell snatcher. <laughs> it is a creature Naka wizard. Um, it, it has morph, and we've already discussed morph, so I'm not going to go over that again. When it is turned face up, uh, you counter target spell. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. Again, with the self-replacement effects. You may cast this card without paying its mana cost for as long as it remains exiled. Um, so... That's called Spelljack. Really? That's word for word Spelljack. Oh, okay. I think I knew that as Guile before anything else, but what? Anyway, <laughs> can't... Um, so you can't... Uh, so let's say... So you can cast that card... Uh, 
without paying its mana cost as long as it remains exiled. Now, since you can't cast it by paying its mana cost, you can't. There's some stuff you can't do. For example, uh, you you can't morph it specifically. Can't morph this. Nah, 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 nah. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, you can you can, however, pay additional costs if it has a kicker cost or whatever. Uh, you can do that. Um, and if there's an X in its mana cost that is not set elsewhere on the card, that X is zero. Yup. 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 Lens of clarity. When did this be? When did this become like an episode of King of the Hill? Yup. Yup. Yep. Well. Yup. 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 Lens of clarity. And morph. Okay. I have a morph deck, EDH deck, and although nobody will ever play this card, I hate that this card exists. So. Lens of Clarity. You may look at the top card of your library and at face-down creatures you don't control. And I'm like, why even have the mechanic? It's like if you were there, like, one mana, you can't get poison counters. Oh, wait. They did that for two mana. Still. Um, so, my first note on this card. This card is stupid. But the second note, you can look at the cards whenever you like. It doesn't use the stack. It doesn't. You don't need priority. It's just a weird little thing you can do. You can just look at cards whenever. Um, I guess one way to say this is after it's resolved, there's nothing they can do that would prevent you from getting to see their creatures. Even if they're, even if you're like resolves and then like split second crows and grip. Nope. You still get to look at their cards until, until that resolves. Uh, what they're, was, they're what free. was the card that let you do something like this? It was uh, Jar Jar Sphinx. Yep. Jar Jar, Jar Sphinx. Sphinx of Jar Jar Sphinx. Uh, yeah. We'll let you look at uh, the top card. Yeah. You used to get all those stupid questions. Well, can I keep looking at it and not let my opponent do anything? What? No. We got no. those questions. Um, just looking at it. The only th other thing to notice note is uh, when you're casting a morph card face down, it's a face down spell on the stack. You can't look at face down spells on the stack still. So, or you can't look at your opponent's face down spells on the stack. So it doesn't. You don't get to know what they're gonna, what creature, what a uh, face down card they've cast to determine whether or not to counter it. That's basically the the case for that. Uh, you do get to look at it the moment it resolves, but not before then. Yep. Yep. What's next? Uh, that would be Mardu War Shrieker. Um, so this is for three and a red. It is a orc shaman. Uh, it's a three three with the raid ability. When Mardu War Shrieker enters the battlefield. If you attacked with a creature this turn, add red, white, black to your mana pool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, for those of you that remember a handy-dandy little card called Lotus Cobra. Yes, uh, I do. Um, you do. Uh, had the ability of landfall uh, when a land enters the battlefield. Add a mana of any color in your mana pool. Um, that was not a mana ability, and neither is this. Now, you might ask yourself... Sure does look like a mana ability. It's adding mana to my mana pool. What's the mana? Isn't that what mana abilities do? And I, and I would say generally. <laughs> Why are you answering a question someone asked themselves? Um. So I said to myself, <laughs> self. <laughs> so so the reason why, um. So activated a mana activated mana abilities are. Uh, mana abilities that are A, activated, B, would add mana to your mana pool if they resolve, uh, don't have targets, and aren't Planeswalker abilities. Now, that's activated mana abilities, things like lands. Okay, now why am I describing what an activated ability is? Well, because triggered mana abilities are mana abilities that, when they resolve, would add mana to your mana pool and trigger off of activated mana abilities and don't have targets and all that good stuff. So 
Mardu Warshrieker is not triggering off of an activated mana ability, so it ain't a mana ability. Word. Yeah, there's like, also a uh, card that um. No, don't you, I'm, I dropped the mic. You know. Get, he dropped the mic. We're not talking about that anymore. That when it gets turned face up, it uh, adds some mana to your mana pool, and that one is also not a mana ability for the exact same reasons. Uh, so even though the act of fate turning it face up does not use the stack and happens immediately, the trigger it has will use the stack. I dropped. I dropped. I dropped sure. Jess gets this weirdo. Oh, jeez. Me- meandering Tower Shell. I hate this card. This card's so weird. I like it, though. All right, so this creature is a turtle. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. It's, that's all we care about, right? It's turtle. Yeah, basically. It's a turtle. Uh, it's a green turtle, which is really interesting. Usually turtles are blue. Oh, um, Legends. There was a turtle in Legends. Green turtle. Yeah, usually turtles are blue. Uh, so this is a 5-9 with Island Walk. Uh, whenever it attacks, exile it, return it to the battlefield under your control, tapped and attacking at the beginning of the declare attacker step on your next turn. So basically, this turtle's shell is a TARDIS, and it jumps forward in time when you attack. All right. I was just thinking it was really slow. But why does it disappear if it's really slow? Well, because it's just kind of meandering along. Yeah. Nobody pays any attention to it. Yes. Oh, this is the big giant turtle from the never-ending story. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it's, where my head it's, went. And the re- and the reason where it goes is it disappears because it's allergic to humans. <laughs> Jess so, isn't laughing. Have you not? I, seen uh, that? I have not seen the never-ending story. Actually. What is wrong with I was you? not born when that movie came out. Never-ending. I actually like, probably was born when that movie came out. I still haven't seen it. I'm only like two years younger than CJ, but CJ keeps <laughs> saying I'm young. <laughs> Yep, pretty much that. Yeah, like he, you keep it up, people are gonna think I'm like in my early twenties or something. <laughs> I'm definitely my, not. Um, this is my favorite episode. <laughs> so anyway, um, this guy, interestingly, has a has a few weirdo things going on. So let's say I attack you, and then my my meandering Tardis shell disappears. Poof, it's gone. And then you you start your turn and you play a planeswalker and then my guy's gonna come back into play attacking. I can attack the planeswalker uh, instead of the the guy. I get to declare a new whatever it's attacking when it comes back. Uh, and that also works for like multiplayer games. I could have it attacking a different player when it comes back. Um, but it wasn't declared as an attacker this turn when it comes back. So anything that says whenever something attacks. Uh, triggers don't get to it to, to go off, which is important because otherwise this guy would just keep bouncing himself out of play. Yeah, I, this guy's like the uh, prime example of why there's a difference between why these attack triggers look for it to be declared as an attacker because otherwise this guy would make no sense. Right. right, and so so this also <laughs> matters for raid because with raid, uh, the turn that you attack with it, the raid checks and sees that a creature attacked. And the turn it comes back attacking, Raid checks and goes, nope, that didn't attack. <laughs> um, and the really fun one, if you active treason this guy and attack with it, it uh, comes back into play under your control, which means it will just come back into play permanently. Yeah, that's sweet. Then that's you all get... I got. That's, I don't have anything else yeah. special about it. But then you have your opponent's weirdo, weirdo creature. Uh, let's talk about Narset. Enlightened Master. Oh, you know, I just remembered about a card. What is it? Ankle Shanker? It has Death Touch and First Strike? Okay. Anyone? What about nope, it? No idea. Well, we don't normally have cards with those two together. I guess the summary is they kill everything that doesn't have First Strike. 
the end. All right, Narset, Enlightened Master. Uh, she, he has first strike and hexproof. Whenever Narset, Enlightened Master attacks, exile the top four cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast none creature cards exiled with Narset this turn without paying their mana costs. Hey, those are the kinds of cards that trigger uh, prowess. So one thing is, uh, so certain sometimes cards let you cast them, uh, or they'll exile cards and let you cast them right then as the ability resolves. And sometimes they give you until the end of turn to to uh, cast them. This one gives you until the end of turn. Do you know how you know? Well, A, it says until end of turn. But secondly, it says uh, <laughs> you may cast non-creature cards exiled with Narset this turn without paying their mana cost. Um, so it's not saying you have to cast the cards right now. It's saying you have the rest of this turn to cast them. That means you also have to respect the normal timing rules for the cards exiled. So you can't cast a sorcery at instant speed. You know, So you can't cast a sorcery you know, immediately after Narset exiles them. Um, if there's additional costs, anything like that, you're going to have to pay them. Um, like we've covered a few times now, because you're paying it, casting it without paying as mana cost, you may pay additional costs, but you don't have to. Uh, a question I see a lot is Strive. You do have to pay for the additional targets for Strive. You don't get infinite targets out of this stuff for free. If you choose not to cast the spells, they will be exiled forever. Uh, you will not be able to cast them on your following turn, because Narset only looks at the ones exiled this turn. And you'll never be able to play a land because it says cast non-creature cards exiled with Narset, not play non-creature cards exiled with Narset. So you'll never be able to play a land with Narset's ability. Sorry, not even the art. No. So you say no, Narser. Uh, Narser. Not even Zoetic Cavern because you can't morph off of this because, like we've said multiple times, if you're not if you're using one alternate cost, you can't use another alternate cost as well. Yes. Yeah. All right. Ride down for red and a white. It's an instant. Uh, destroy target blocking creature. Creatures uh, that were blocked by that creature this combat gain control, uh, gain trample until end of turn. I love this card. Okay, so uh, before I get into one of the weird things, um, a creature is considered blocking all the way until the end of combat step. So if for some reason you want to destroy a blocking creature after uh, combat damage has been dealt, you can, okay? Again, judge things uh, aren't always make the most sense from a player standpoint, but you can do it. Um, it says, creatures that were blocked by that creature uh, this combat gain trample until end of turn. So let's say I attack and you block, uh, well, I, let's say Battle Cat attacks and Bitty Kitty blocks with uh, Brima's King of Oreskos. Yep, that happened earlier today. It did, yes. Um, and Brima's uh, puts, a, puts a little 1-1 uh, uh, white milkshake uh, soldier creature cat token with vigilance in the battlefield, blocking that creature. Okay, you can use Ride Down to destroy either Brima's or that cat soldier. However, um, if you destroy the cat soldier, you're not going to gain trample, okay? That's because uh, when it says, even though you are blocking it, it did not actually block, okay? Yeah. And this gets into the distinction between attacking and attack. Blocking is, or sorry, you block something when you are declared as a blocker during the turn-based action of declaring blockers, okay? But, not putting into play blocking. Yeah, but those things are still blocky. Yeah. Yes. It makes perfect sense. 
This yes. is an intuitive interaction. Yes, and the other thing is uh, creatures gain trample uh, so that they can deal damage even though they were blocked. Yeah. So it's it's basically, if you think of it just from, from a flavor standpoint, you've got a dude who's running, 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 and a guy's standing in his way, and it just goes right, just plows right over top of him without even stopping. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think he's on a horse. Yeah, he's being ridden down. Yes. So that's that is from a rule standpoint, it's really awkward, really really wonky. But from a flavor standpoint, it's it's pretty good. And and speaking of 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 flavor standpoint, Jess, you want to talk about the next card? Speaking of weird flavor. Yeah. <laughs> this card tastes funny. You shouldn't have eaten it. Uh, Sarkin the Dragon Speaker. So uh, this is a Planeswalker. Costs three red red. It is Planeswalker Sarkin. Starts with four, four loyalty and has three abilities. The first one says, plus one, until end of turn, the dragon speaker becomes a legendary 4-4 red dragon creature with flying indestructible and haste. Uh, he doesn't lose loyalty while he's not a planeswalker. Also, his name doesn't change, so he doesn't just die because there are other things named dragon on the battlefield. Because uh, his name is Sarkin the dragon speaker. Oh. Uh, well, they, minus would, they would have to be legendary, too. Well, the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, second ability, he deals four damage to target creature for minus three loyalty. And third ability, minus six loyalty, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your draw step, draw two additional cards, and at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. Seems fair. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Um, that is weak emblem city. So, um, when he becomes a dragon, he stops being a planeswalker. So if he's dealt any damage, he won't lose loyalty uh, the counters will just sit on him and do nothing unless you do something to specifically remove those loyalty counters, like sacrifice a vampire hex mage or something. That's about it. Um, because he isn't a planeswalker, if you played another Sarkin uh, after making this the first one into a dragon, uh, it would be legal until it stops being a dragon. Since the, the legend rule, the planeswalker uniqueness rule don't interact. So if you play a second Sarkin, the dragon speaker... Uh, neither of them go away until the end of the turn. Now, that's not particularly helpful, but if you played, say, a Sarkin Vol to give all of your dragons a bonus, that yeah. might actually make sense. Sure. Hmm. So you have this dragon one in the Sarkin Vol. It doesn't make sense. That's... <laughs> so save it for the fanfic. Uh... The Sarkin on Sarkin action? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what oh. kind of fanfic you're into, Brian. Well, I mean, check, look in the chat window. You'll see. Kidding, kidding, kidding. I, I, I looked. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> uh, Savage Punch. Is this the one with the guy punching a bear? It is. That is savage. Target creature you control fights. Target creature you don't control. And then Ferocious. The creature you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn before it fights if you control a creature with power four or greater. Um, so let's talk about fight for a second because we haven't for a while. And there's a lot of cards that fight in this set, I guess, because the cons are at war. Uh, if one of the two targets of the fight is illegal when Savage Punch resolves, then the fight will not happen. That's the first thing to, to uh, remember about fight. So if two creatures are ever going to fight and one of the creatures aren't there, there's no fight. That makes sense. That's not like double Sarkin land. It makes sense that two creatures can't fight if unless they're both there. Um, 
if the opponent's creature or the one you don't control is the illegal target and you had ferocious going your creature would still get plus two plus two because the spell's still going to resolve and do as much as it can and as much as it can is give your guy plus two plus two obviously if your creature is the illegal target there your creature will not get plus two plus two because it is an illegal target and if they're both illegal the whole spell will be countered yay yay I love this card just because he's punching a bear. Yeah, <laughs> everyone loves that card because he's punching a bear. Like When I saw the art, I was like, I love this card, but you don't even know what it does. No, I don't care. I don't love care. It. Don't care. Love it. As long as you control, like, as long as it's not a germ token, this, uh, your creature, as long as it's not a germ token and you control a ferocious sized creature, your creature will always beat a grizzly bear with savage punch. Fun facts. Oh. Because okay, a 1-1 well, I mean... would be a 3-3 three, three. because he's punching a bear. Okay. Okay. All right. Fine. I wouldn't. I w- I wouldn't advise punching a bear in real life, though. They tend not to like it. Good to oh. know. Glad we figured that one out. <laughs> I mean, just just saying. Um. All right. Uh. Next card is uh our second planeswalker, uh Ugin. Not yet. Wait. No. Oh, not yet. That's for no. That's a later set. Uh, Soren, solemn visitor. That'll be next uh, set and. How are, you, how are you teasing me with this? I I really, really want Ghostfire to get reprinted. Expect a lot of rage from me next set when they print Ugin. Why are you going to get mad if they print Ugin? Because he's a Vorthos. Because they're going to go back in time, which means it'll be pre-mending, which means you shouldn't be able to print pre-mending walkers, just like I'm upset with Teferi being printed. But that's a, that's an out, that's a supplemental product, man. Okay, this it's... won't be. Yeah, but it's back in time. You, It'll be really expensive. We It'll were be- sold that you couldn't print Planeswalkers because they were too powerful, and now they're just like, JK. And we were also sold... Yeah, well, the- apparently they just ruined so- Wooberg as well, so what does it matter? <laughs> yeah, everything's <laughs> lost. First so, Wooberg, now this. Well, they, I mean, they destroyed the core set, and it left a power vacuum, and they were able to fill it with Ugin. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, they yeah, do make sense. Soren, Solemn Visitor for two, white and black. He is a planeswalker of type Soren. Um, he has he comes into play with four loyalty. He has three loyalty abilities. The first is a plus one ability. Until your next turn, creatures you control get plus one, plus O, oh, and gain lifelink. So the thing to note, it says until your next turn. So that's all the rest of this turn, all of your opponent's turn. Or you your got, opponent's turns. Or turns yeah. on pl- in multiplayer, yeah. That's or, kind of or if they like, if they take multiple turns, yeah, that too. That sure. Not as good, but okay. Um, so <laughs> it's um his minus two ability. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, for the first ability, it's um only the creatures on the battlefield that get that bonus. Uh, so creatures that come into play after the fact won't. Uh, the easy way to tell the difference between when that does uh when an effect does continue to affect uh, uh, or when new creatures come onto the battlefield are affected by it and when creatures that come onto the battlefield aren't. If it gives abilities, changes power and toughness, color, you know, basically the characteristics of the card um, or changes control, it's basically set at the point of resolution. Stuff like creatures can't creatures you control can't attack this turn. Well, that's not something that actually gets like written on a card or isn't a characteristic of a card. So that that will actually uh, new creatures coming to play will be under that same restriction. Um, let's see here. Uh, minus two loyalty. Uh, put a two-two black vampire creature token with flying onto the battlefield. Pretty self-explanatory there. Uh, and the minus six ability is you get an emblem with 
at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. Uh, yep. Yeah, you already said everything interesting about the card. Yep. I guess we could add that you can't, that's still your trigger and you can't purposefully miss it, the emblem. Uh, that is true. So, yes, there. Uh, not intentionally miss it. We got, and your opponent's also not obligated to point it out to you, which is a little bit awkward. Yeah, there we go. We squeezed a little bit more out of that. Ooh, um, all right, next card, which I think is the last one we're going to go over. Is that right? Yeah. Wait, is this card really uh, red? Oh, yeah, I guess so. This card is Tormenting Voice. <laughs> it costs one and a red. It is a sorcery as an additional cost to cast Tormenting Voice. Discard a card. Draw two cards. That's all it says. And uh, so you can't cast this if you don't have a card to discard because it's part of the cost. And you have to discard the card before you draw any cards. And if you don't, you'll have a sad, sad day. So please, well, discard a card. Said. Oh, fine. Brian wants to talk about modal spells. I just want to... They have I bullets now. There's no rules I just want to mention it. There's no rules change in bullet, they've, but they've gone back and they've changed the templating for modal spells to make it easier to tell. Uh, so now it's like a the modal spells are like a bulleted list, uh, except your text list uh, cryptic command. It still does pretty much anything you want it to do. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, but modal spells now, they've been updated in Gather. They're updated on the cards. Uh, it's not a functional change. It's a visible style change. And boy, uh, does it look nice. It actually does. And it's clear to understand. So, yay. Hooray. Hooray. All right. Let's, that's it. That's all the cards we had. Does anyone have any other cards you wanted to add? Uh, like most ones, I'll think of like four right. the second we stop. Hey, we can talk about one we didn't on the last FAQ for M15. It's Aether Spouts. Okay. We have since learned. This is one of our emails, actually. Um, that Aether Spouts, which puts all attacking creatures on the top or bottom of their controller's library. That sounds right to me. Yes. Yes. Uh, the opponent, or the person who casts Aether Spouts, or whatever, your opponents get to know which creatures are going on the top or bottom, but don't get to know in which order they're going on the top or bottom. I thought we already covered this. Nah, we didn't know the answer, and then we never looked it up until Salt Lake City is when I asked Nathan Long. I mean, I could swear we covered this already. No, we talked about it off the air, or we talked about it before the episode, and, oh. we, were, and we were like, and we were like, well, let's not bring it up because we don't yes. know the answer. <laughs> and, and, and then and somebody then, finally then said, emailed us about it, and I was like, crap. And yeah, then, there's definitely a rule that says that. I, I, I know. I guess I was talking to somebody else about it because I know it's hmm. come up. I just thought we talked about it on the air. My bad. So uh, let's do some so, news. Well, I was gonna ask just from a from a style standpoint, are there any? Is there like a card that you guys are like really like stoked about? I think Ride Down is sweet. I like Hardened Scales. Yeah, I am actually because I also have a plus one plus one counter deck. I love I love me some plus one plus one yeah. counter. Yeah, uh, I really like the new Sarkin. It punches people for four. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's so weird. Um, and I'm I'm a fan of that. I'm. If you see that meandering yeah. turtle thing, yeah, I, I do like the turtle. It's, it's unique. The turtle is pretty sweet. Um, Why is that sweet? It's so awful. I mean, just from a flavor standpoint, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, it, it is a 5-9 for 5, Brian. I mean, it was okay. pseudo-phasing. It can block a colossal whale. It could, yes. It could, but it's it's not actually going to deal damage until three turns after you cast it. Because it's that slow to cast it. Oh, that would be funny if they gave it haste. <laughs> Just so it could actually. Yeah, that would be kind of weird. So that it could actually deal damage 
on turn two. I wonder if they discussed that and decided that it was wouldn't make any sense because it's a turtle. The only thing I don't like about it is going to be the the missed trigger issues that come from it. You know, judge we're in the declare blocker step and I forgot this trigger. Oh, because it is a zone change. Yeah, of, it's a delayed zone change trigger. So that means it's going to happen. Yep, the opponent will get to choose. Either. Whether to have it happen now or at the beginning of, yeah, awkward. <laughs> so it'll Very come in awkward. the second main, tapped and attacking. Yeah, it just, if, but there's a rule that says if it would come in tapped and attacking in any time other than the combat, it just, it doesn't. Yeah, but that's not as funny. Yeah. The rules really re- remove a lot of humor from cards. <laughs> yes. That's, Can I that's... quote you on that, CJ? Sure. That seems like. Cards could be a lot funnier without the rules holding them back. And you know what? That was called pre-sixth edition. Yeah, that's true. Really? You go back to the good old days. There's some crazy stuff. You'd be arguing, you know, it's like, oh, well, the wretched, it doesn't say flying, but it's got wings so it can fly. <laughs> and someone would say, well, nah, because its wings got holes in it. That's why it doesn't say flying. Oh. Like, oh, you can't get the lift necessary. The fallen but... angel has her wings removed, yet she has I mean... flying. There's oh. also Whippoorwill, was it? Yeah, Whippoorwill. Whippoorwill, yes. So it's a bird in air, flying. Come <laughs> on now. It doesn't fly. Well, it's just really low to the ground. <laughs> it's, it's jumping. All right, let's do some news, huh? Eh? Okay. So, honestly, a lot's happened in the last three weeks. So, all I have written down are the new level threes. We got Simon Freiberg, also known as Fry on IRC. Uh, he's from Australia, so congratulations to him. And we have good old Billy Willie. So, yep. Matt Williams. Yes. Is his real name? We always call him Billy Willie. Oh, he says that like a question. Like he does. Florida. Is it, is it Matt Williams? I've never, I don't call him his real name. No. His, his name, his name is, is uh, William Matt Williams. So cruel. So, yeah. So, Billy Willie. Um, so, Billy Willie uh, uh, passed recently. Uh, and we mentioned it last, uh, did we mention it on the last podcast? Uh, who made L3? Because uh, Crooks also made, and both of those are our Florida guys. So in the southeast region, so Crooks we're really do we yeah. mention Crooks? I believe we did, but it was either it was either the morph episode. I think I think it might have been the hundredth episode. So we were so we didn't mention anyone on the hundredth episode. That's why Simon is being mentioned now. He he made level three over three weeks ago. Yeah. So I just I just want to uh, you know this is this is kind of one of the things where I say oh, I want to say congratulations to both of those guys. Um, uh, I don't really have any like sort of prepared statement or anything like that, but <laughs> it's 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 awesome. I mean, these guys have been judges as long as I've been a judge, and it's it's great to see them uh, make it. And I'm really really proud of both of them. What's nice is Crooks actually listens too. Yeah, and 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 Simon, I wish I knew you better so that I'd have nice things to say about you too. Um, he doesn't know what a graham cracker is. That how is that not on the panel? I don't know. I'm upset about it too. I mean, was that was that a, like that's one of his deficiencies? He, I'm sorry, you didn't know what a grab grabber was. Yeah, I mean, I so... can understand not knowing what a s'more was, right? That's fine. But he also yeah. didn't know what a graham cracker was when I tried to explain the s'more, and I'm just like, I don't even know how to work from here. <laughs> yeah, it's like trying to teach math and you don't understand what a number yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like, what is this two? I don't like, know. Yeah. I'm done. What, what is a numeral? I don't understand this concept. I don't know graham so... cracker. Uh, what else in the news that I can remember off the top of my head? The L2 redefinition definition. Yeah. The, the, the redefinition redefinition? Yeah. So what was it? The um, You no longer have to head judge two events. Now you have to be on staff. Is it three? 
three at three large um in parentheses or in in quotes uh, high level events yeah yeah and high level is a little bit subjective there are things that are clearly high level gps uh are an example and then it goes down from there if yeah. you are unsure if an event is high level it's probably not yep. uh <laughs> and and if you are still unsure you should check with your regional coordinator and see yep yeah. So the the reason the reason for this change, uh, as we as we said on this episode or, or on on uh, on this show, that the goal of of the new L two is to be able to head judge a large uh, uh, or a, me- a medium size event. You know, like 50, 50 to sixty, seventy players. Uh, and what was happening was. Well, that twelve-person GPT got myself a second judge. Got that box checked. Uh, gamer's gonna game. Gamer's gonna game. Gamer's gonna game, and that requirement—they uh, were not meeting the spirit of the requirement. Uh, so the spirit of the requirement changed, or rather, the spirit of the requirement didn't change. The letter of the requirement changed um with the with the goal of having these large events so the L1 is going to the larger events they are getting exposed to best practices from L2s and L and maybe L3s in their region and they're learning the things that we want them to learn in order to handle uh, the larger events themselves uh these numbers are all minimums you know if you don't learn what you need to learn then you're probably not going to pass the interviews uh so and then blah 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 regional needs. <laughs> that's fine. So that's all the major news I can I, I got. Yeah. It's just so much going on lately. There's a new section coming to the IPG, <clears throat> section one point four. Yeah, Toby spoiled that today. Yeah, he teased it. Is it bad that I'm I'm actually more excited about spoilers for the IPG than I am spoilers for new sets? No, I probably agree. Is that a, this is, is that like a the first thing? set in a while. I, I haven't even read all the spoilers yet. <laughs> I haven't looked through all the cards. Yeah. Just so, not, so it's, it's not it, nothing against the set. It's just, yeah, it's not that the set is anything wrong with it. It's just that, you know, that's it's not the part of Magic we're as concerned about. These yeah. these cards are going to get printed, and they have less of an impact on what we do than the policy that's going to get printed. Yeah, yeah so we're more excited about that. There's a whole new section coming. What's it going to say? What's Ooh. it going to say? What's it? Uh, At least that's uh, true for you guys. I'm going to go play some Magic this weekend. Sk- well, I was going to say it's got Skyrim. Uh, it's got Skyrim Game of Thrones fanfic is the new section. Uh, Skyrim Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Uh, what else can we cross over into that? Teletubbies. Teletubbies. That's just wrong. <laughs> The rest of it's cool. That's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, I don't think we have any other news, though. No, and we're going to skip emails, obviously. It's, although I do want to say we are more behind on emails than I think we've ever been as a show. Yeah. So to people out there waiting on our responses, we'll get to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we've ever done emails on a, uh, uh, on a release notice episode. Yeah, no, I, that's just, a, I mean, we always reply to an email, even if we don't read it. It's all that's saying. true. And we have not replied to all these emails yet. So here's what you need to do, listeners. You need to write in and tell Toby not to make so many changes to the IPG that we can cover the IPG changes and still have a chance to answer all of your emails. Uh, I say that really it's selfish because when he makes big changes, then I've got that project that has to, like, completely change all the stuff on the wiki. And it's a really big pain in the butt. So we don't like him making all changes yeah we do i love changes to the ipg you know what 
We should definitely. You know what we should do? We should bring lapsing triggers back. Ah, oh, man. Let's First off, sh- shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but second, this the not. I think it was either this iteration or the last one. They cleaned up so many. So so for those listeners that don't know, there is there's a project uh, on the wiki. It's called the Annotated IPG, where it's a sentence by sentence deconstruction of the IPG. So here's a sentence from the IPG, and here's a, like you know two to seven paragraphs describing what that sentence means that was supposed to be words but i think actually paragraphs might actually uh, or sentences but i think paragraphs might be more accurate um and there was like a change like an an issue or or a a release or two ago where they just like they changed contractions and articles you know they replaced like these with some other like some slightly other works they removed the dci references from a bunch of places and it was like every single sentence had like some tiny little grammatical thing that was nothing that i had to go through and change every single one of them i'm not bitter i could tell but i'm bitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm bitter all right guys do we have anything else to go over today no, actually, let's look at one email just because it says question on a spoiled card, and it's about our bro meandering tower shell. Oh, uh, sweet. I will summarize this email. We'll skip the first question because it's not too important. But the um, it says, my second question is, if you skip your... This is from Eric He, by the way. Our, uh, would it be rude to call him our Judge Cast stalker? He sent us a lot of emails relative to everyone else. Um, my second question <laughs> is, if you skip your next turn... He sent all those emails before he'd caught up listening. Yeah, but he's caught so, up now. So he wasn't even necessarily sure who he was sending them to. <laughs> but he's caught up now, so it's good now. Okay, okay. Um, he's asking if you skip your turn, so something like Eater of Days. Yeah, when Eater of Days comes into play, you skip your next two turns. Uh, on the next turn you actually take, does Meandering Tower Shell still come into play? So you attack with a Meandering Tower Shell, gets exiled, and then you skip two turns. Would he come back after you get you finally get another turn? Yes, he does. Yeah, he's just gonna wait. Yep. Uh, and sorry. No, that's fine. Oh, and then and then he asks, well, what happens if you have to skip your combat on that next turn? Us, uh, same thing. Yep. The next yeah, time you actually have a, a declared hacker step, it will trigger. Okay. Okay, but what if? Oh, jeez. <laughs> but what if, in response to his comeback trigger, you end the turn? Using uh, Sundial the Infinite or um, Time Stop. Oh, it's going to stay exiled forever. It will stay exiled forever. Yeah, because the trigger already triggered, and then it gets removed from the stack, and then blah, 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 blah. Cool. All right. I think that's good. Uh, yeah, so if you want to contact us, you can at judgecast at gmail.com. Uh, we will reply eventually. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast, or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. We also post episodes on Reddit, the... Um, um, MTG Judge subreddit, things like that. We're all over the place, man. Except Tumblr. Except Tumblr. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what we would do with Tumblr. Really. I don't know either. Except just post episodes. But I'm like, okay. I think we people have that. enough spots to post episodes. Like. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. You guys have anything else you want to add? Your opinion on Tumblr? Don't uh, think so. No, that's good. All right. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to this uh, FAQ episode. I hope it. I hope someone found it enlightening. Uh, my name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it confused as to which clan is which. Yes. Clan, uh, clan cast will have to wait. <clears throat> clash, clash, clash cast? Clash, cast. clash of clans? Clash cast? Uh... 
I mean, I bet there there probably is a Clash of Clans podcast. There probably is. Now. There's a big following out there. All right. There is, in fact, a Clash of Clans podcast. Crap. So this is Judge Judge Clash of Judge Clast of Clans. That's right. We're we're already we're already the kings of niche podcasts. We'll just be Magic Judges playing Clash of Clans podcasts. Right. Right. <laughs> All twenty listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>